podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's a Monday. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind. My name's Kevin Graham, and as usual on a Monday, I'm joined by Russell Boyce, who's in the mothership today, and Anthony Haggerty. <laughs> You're right, lads. What's going on? You're right. All right, eh? <laughs> I think what I, I axe on, we're on to social justice, and we're on, we're on to looking at good causes and stuff like that, eh? So basically, today. <laughs> I, I want I want to talk about something. Um, you may have seen on social media, uh, there's been a lot of concern over a guy called Terry Monroe. And <laughs> it, and there's been people asking where he is in that. Eh? Now, it seems to be that Terry Monroe's been missing for August. And um, he's had a lot of internal problems and this 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 hanged in August there, eh? but we're really quite worried worried about where he is. Uh, so, but Terry, see if we've been truthful, Terry's never been the same since his wife June died on February the 14th, 2012. <laughs> June, June had her own problems. Eh? I mean, she was always looking at her next door neighbours and she got herself into loads of debt trying to keep up with her next door neighbours and trying to better them. Eh? So I'm just worried about Terry. And if anybody sees Terry, please get in touch with Peter Wall. Uh, at Kerrydale Street at Celtic Park, eh? Lads, what's happening? What's happening today, Russell? <laughs> Not a lot, mate. As you say, I'm in the mothership, mate. Just scoping out the uh, the, the the home the, the home base, mate. Um, I've just uh, I get Mondays off, so I thought, why not come down with a gaffer and. Have a wee scope about, man. So, aye, it's cool to be here, and it does feel a wee bit different. Not just looking square on at my cooking. I now, I now get my cheekbones all highlighted as well as uh, Paul John Dykes does. So, you know, life's good, mate. <laughs> I, was thinking, I was just thinking, you the high chair there, Kevin. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> aye, I've got, I've, I've got a wee, I've, I've got a wee partner here with me today. Um, <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's like Xander Clark coming up for a corner kick. He's sneaking into the background there. He's behind you. He's behind you. He's behind you. <laughs> uh, I, I think that the day, I mean, the football, the football gods have sometimes got a way of making things happy for yourself and stuff like that. Eh? But I think over this season, we've had our worst season in 20 years. And like... It just shows you how, how great the last four seasons has been for us, how difficult it is to do, to actually win every win the last 12, 12 trophies that have actually been going. And I don't think that will ever get been taken away from us. What do you think, Tony? You listen, in, in any competition, as Rangers found out yesterday, you're a bounce of a ball of away from being knocked out or, you know, as Rangers were forced into extra time when they thought the game was done. So... To win 12 on the spin, it's a phenomenal achievement and it will be regarded even more so in time to come. You know, But to win 12 on the spin is incredible and to win 
the cup competitions as well. Because I see you're, you're a decision, a, a bounce of a ball, a, a free kick, a 30-yarder, an own goal away from going out on, on, in one-off competitions or penalty kicks, whatever. You know, so the, the amount of consistency that Celtic showed over those four trebles is absolutely incredible. You do have to hand it to them. And you know yourself, it's it's not easy to win any competition. People think it is. When Celtic lost last week, everyone was saying, that's Rangers' trophy. Hand, hand them the trophy now. But up that, just other clubs have a big say in that. You know, now you look at the you look at the competition now, and from a neutral perspective, it's it's wonderful for the likes of Kilmarnock, St Martin, Dundee United, Hibs, St Johnston. They all think they can win it now, mm-hmm. and they'll all go and try and win it. That's more to the point. You know, they've nothing to lose now. So, and, and again, it'll be another winner on the, the famous trophy, and you know, and it, it's quite refreshing. If Celtic don't win it, which we all want them to do, then you always hope that it's it's some other club that gets that glory and the joy. And the saddest thing about it all is they won't they won't have a lot of their fans in to see it. Um, you know, like St Johnson did with the League Cup, and their fans weren't there. That's that's the worst thing about this season. But fair play to them; they did a job, and and it does highlight how hard it is to win trebles, doubles, whatever you want to call it. It's a difficult, difficult task. I mean, uh, uh, my, my friend Duncan, he's a Dundee United fan, and my friend Fraser, he's a St. Johnson fan, and I messaged them last night, and they were both buzzing. They they have got they have got a gooder chance of winning that cup than any, as anybody left now, and they they were really really excited, especially the St. Johnson fan. He, I mean, they've all, they've already won the league cup this season, and so <laughs> they've they've gone for a cup double. St. Johnson going for a cup double. You're going to pass them to do the Mad. cup double. I think Callum Davison showed himself to be quite a, 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 an astute manager so far with the, with the resources that he's actually got. Russell, what do you think? You were a bit vocal on the Twitter last night. <laughs> no, when I say vocal, you were a bit blunt. You, you actually went in with a baseball bat. That's <laughs> it, mate. Well, you team. know, I just think it's so easy just for, you know, the... the the amazing achievements that we, we've done over the last four years to be dismissed. Um, you know, we were getting told that it was an asterisk nine in a row. We were getting told that the trebles were easy when there wasn't a strong competition from the other side of the city. Um, Celtic, to me, have, have put it on a plate, you know, this season, you know, all, all three uh, uh, tournaments with, you know, a meek performance last week with, a you know, just a non, non-attempt at all at trying to win the, uh, the league title itself and then by going out at home to Ross County in the League Cup it was all there for them they've not done it and I see a team with you know the exact same traits that they've always had um, to be perfectly honest to you and I think it does highlight you know what what an amazing achievement it is to have won the trebles that we did obviously only rounded off in December as well remember so you know it's not it's not too far back we have to look for the last trophy that we lifted as part of that quadruple treble and I think like Tony says over time it's going to look like a better and better achievement all the time it's just going to it's going to look so much bigger than perhaps we're guilty of when it's happening in the moment to be taking it for granted you know and and I suppose the fact that we've not won anything this year and then the fact that they've blown it in the other two competitions is is probably going to assure that for the next, you know, I'd like to think the next good few years anyway, we don't take any trophy that we win for granted and we make sure that we we celebrate them properly and acknowledge them properly as well. Do you know what I mean? Because trebles ain't easy. They're not easy. And I remember saying in Feb, just before Brendan Rodgers left, we were in the studio in Stirling with uh, Declan and Aaron Boyle. And I says, I was more impressed that we were going for a treble treble than actually winning those league titles in a row. Because as Tony actually says, you're one bad decision, one wrong ball, bounce ball. They, uh, from going out to a cup competition, you didn't get any second chances. And, and it's amazing that you had such a level of professionalism that we won 35, 36 cup games in a row. David, 947-64368. I wonder if that's his phone number. Uh, <laughs> If that was a Rodgers team, they would have swallowed up that cup up. And that was the one thing I thought last night. At 10 o'clock last night, I went, you have to take your hat off to the professionalism of Brendan Rodgers' Celtic. 
when they done their invincible season that they kept on going, then to do the double treble, then to get that far down to the treble treble as well. Brendan Rodgers had that team as a machine who didn't seem to have an off day, and you've got to tip your hat to Brendan for that. What do you think, Tony? Well, listen, I've said it before, Brendan Brendan Rodgers' tenure at Celtic will be borne out over time, right? The knee-jerk reaction to the way he left and when he left, it was all about timing. But you you can't tell me that he's not the the second most successful manager in the club's history, because he is. The stats bear it out. And you reflect upon his period at the club in years to come as halcyon days, because you did nothing but enjoy his time there. You won everything and you won, what was it? I think it was 13 out of 14 or 12 out of 14 Rangers games. One loss, one draw. I think somebody might correct me on that. I think that's about right. Aye. So, so I mean, and there was two five ones, a 5-0, a 4-0 semi-final. You know, you lauded it over and people can say uh, Rangers were poor, they won the this, they won the that. You can only be was put in front of you all the time. Going back to Rangers, nine in a row, Celtic were ranked rotten. Finishing you know, fourth in that. Eh? <laughs> second and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So you can you can manipulate stats to suit or manipulate periods in history to suit whenever you want. So you can only beat what's play, what's in front of you. So Brendan Rodgers' time, I mean, I, I defy anybody, unless you were in Lisbon, right? Tom Rodgers' goal against Aberdeen to seal the invincible trebles up there in you and I lifetime. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not Lisbon, right? It's not a European final, granted, but it's a monumental achievement in the club's history. And if you were there that day and the thunder came and then the lightning when, when the ball went in the net, I mean, it's a glorious moment in time if you're a Celtic supporter. I wrote about it in my book and I had 21 years of being a journalist and being in press boxes and being pretty au fait about these things. My nephew said the best part of being there beside me was the fact that I lost it. I just completely and utterly lost it. You know, Tasmanian devil meets Yosemite Sam. Only anywhere close to my radio rental I went. Right, just because I knew that's a moment in time in history that will never be repeated. Right, now, I'm not comparing Tom Rogers' goal to Lisbon. I'm comparing the moment in time and, and, and the achievements, you know, I mean, obviously, Lisbon eclipses anything at Celtic level doing in history. But as another moment in history, I mean, my, my dad was around at Lisbon and he said it's up there, you know? It's just a, an achievement. Cause it's something you thought you would never, ever see. To go through a whole season unbeaten and win everything. That's, I mean, you're a betting man, I'm a betting man. That, that will never happen again. That will never happen again. I know, wasn't it? And I was, I was there that day as well, eh? And after that goal, I was still shaking nine minutes later when Scott Brown up to pick pick up the cup. I was still physically shaking, yeah. uh, and it was as one of as one of the mo- it's the best moment. Yeah, uh, it's up, it's yeah. up there with John Hartson's goal at Anfield for me. Uh, as a, as a, you know, when you witness something special, you turn around and you think, "Wow, did I just see that?" Mm-hmm. You know, and that's when you know you went to something special. When you know you probably think, I'll never see this again. You know, mm-hmm. probably, stood in, probably stood in Seville and thought, I'm never going to see this again, which is why it hurt so much when they lost. That's fair. I think as well, I think it's right now, I think what happened last night, it's like, it's like a time for reflection now almost a wee bit as well. Do you know what I mean? It kind of puts put things in perspective a wee bit that, you know, this season has been Celtic's own downfall a lot. We have to give praise for how they've went about their league challenge. I think they've done really, really well. But we've never laid a glove. You know, we've never laid a glove all season. There's been not one ounce of pressure put on them whatsoever. And what I've seen in the cup ties, and we take the Kamara incident aside aside because that was disgusting, but the Rangers players by then had already lost their heads um, going out of cup competition. They... Buckled under the pressure yesterday when they only had to hang on for five minutes. You know, they didn't mark a keeper who's standing a fluorescent top. You know what I mean? It's about six foot six. They, I think when they've pressure on them, they still have the same traits that they had a couple of years before. And I think when we look back at this season, I think it could be one that we, we look at with a lot of disappointment. But we also, hopefully anyway, over the next few years, look at it as a one-off. 
Do you agree with that, Tony? Do you think that's where the Celtic fans this morning have, have maybe changed their opinion of this season and we're now in a more reflective mood looking back at those those quadru- quadruple trebles? I think I think when you yeah, when you're looking back at what was achieved by Celtic, yeah. But I think you have to turn around and say, look, the, the best team have won the league this season, there's no doubt. Oh, about no, definitely. Of course. Might pain people to say that. And also they've had the pressure of leading from the front. That's no, that's no mean mean achievement either. You know, people say that brings its own pressure, and and they've they've won it at a canter. You cannot deny that. No, of, course. of course, of course, and and they've did that well. Now, I, uh, but again, there's a fragility there. I think most people are seeing Celtic fans are seeing a slight fragility about Rangers, which they would like to have seen had they laid a glove on them, as Russell said. And so when you're reflecting, you think we never ever got close to them, but which was a level of their consistency. We always had these games in hand, but we never ever get near them. No, you know, because they just kept steamrolling on and knocking the 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 games down like skittles. So you have to hand it to Rangers for that. They've shown an incredible amount of consistency over the league campaign, but there's been a bit of fragility there, which Celtic have never to Celtic shame really. They've never been that close or mm-hmm. close. To close enough to them to exploit. So you'll never, ever know if Rangers would have blown a gasket at any point during this league campaign because they were just surging on and surging on. We'll catch them later, we'll catch them later, and they've rode off into the distance. So, uh, And that's what's annoying the Celtic fans because they it's might have not- been there to be got at. It is annoying, but we can't worry about it because it never happened. Because, yeah, exactly. because, because, and we're not responsible for all not for that not happening. There's people yeah. who are responsible who are still hanging about the club, who are still basically failing to make decisions at this precise moment in time for us to move on. In the nature of one-off competition, you can have a go. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Mm-hmm. Dead in Paisley. St. Johnson dead yesterday. So you saw what happened. And, and to Celtic shame last week, they had they shown the same passion and fervour that both St Merlin and St Johnson showed in their respective cup ties, they might have got a bit of joy themselves yep. at any uh, point again in the games against Rangers this season, but it didn't. So, the, the only regret I've got about last week is I think the the missed chances that we had. Because when you see St Johnson equalising last night in the 121st minute, they had the desire to get back into the game. If we had scored that penalty with 10 minutes to go, I would love to have seen us have a go in that last 10 minutes. Because the pressure's off at that point. Go, right, just go forward. You say, you says last week, Tony, they would have just upped it and went, but we don't know that. We don't know that. But mm-hmm. I, I've got no... Re- when you go, Tony, sorry. No, no, carry on. Sorry. I, I, that's only regret that I had about last week. It doesn't matter how, how poor we were for the whole game. We had an opportunity. We had chances in that game to actually try and make a, make a game of it, and we never took them. And that's what more that, that's what more, more annoyed me. In that game for me was Edward trying to I don't know what he was trying. Russell spoke about it. Yeah. Trying the, the ultimate showboat goal instead of just sticking the ball in the net. And that was what right at the start of the second half. That was frustrating that. You know, and I, I genuinely don't know what he was trying. I had to hold him off for that. To be honest, that was a Balotelli moment. Remember Balotelli on tour. You tried that pirouette. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop acting the goat. I, I would have said, to, I'd have done the same with Edward last week after that and put Griffiths on then and said, nah, I'm not having that. Because that well, was a bread and butter chance to burst the net and he tried to be far too clever in a season when he knew people were, you know, were hanging on to that. That was your last chance of silverware and he, and he acts like that. I thought that was unprofessional already. Jim Jim said he touched, he chucked it at Tanadice, but if ever there was a message to say he was kind of, he, he was chucked it and his mind's elsewhere, it was that moment there, microcosmic of Eddie's season. And I wasn't annoyed at him for the penalty, I just didn't fancy him for the penalty. I was more annoyed at that chance, because that stuck to me as someone who was just being as unprofessional as you could be. Uh, Eddie has taken those chances ever since he turned up at Celtic Park, and it was just inexplicable what he did. And I, as I say, I would have hauled him off. 
is a, a statement of intent saying, no, no, not good enough. I, I don't care. You know, mm-hmm. just that's that's unacceptable for a professional footballer to do that. I'm I'm going to play a wee bit of devil's advocate here and maybe be a bit over-exaggerated, but I'm a creative person, so I get to use poetic license at a certain time. Who's had the bigger blow? Who blew it bigger, Devon Lock or Celtic? Russell. He's going to ask you who Devon Lock is, isn't he? I don't know what you're talking about, man. <laughs> Tony, you better answer that then. I maybe showed my age there. <laughs> the black and white clip of a horse who's about to win a race at a canter and as it's coasting towards the finishing line, it just falls. Oh, right, okay. The race is a black and white clip. You'll have seen it many times. That's Devon Locke. So right. Now you can answer the question. Aye, right. Thanks for that, Uncle Tony. I appreciate it. Mate. You keep me right, big man. I appreciate it. Um, is he no feather? Do we not get to call him feather now? I think for the description that Tony's gave, though, I mean, at least that horse made it to the final furlong, do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I, I don't think we got anywhere near that. Do you know what I mean? This is not even got out the traps. You know what I mean? You know, it's just been a disaster from start to finish. That hopefully there's going to be, you know, now, and it is quite sad. But at the end of the day, it is a two horse race that we we operate, and we were talking about that yesterday in the women's pod. It's, it is the men's game is a two horse race, and when you see one of the other horses sort of faltering a wee bit, I mean, I appreciate in the league they've won at a canter, I get that, but when you see them falter yesterday and then you look back at the St Mirren one as well and you kind of got to take a wee bit of hope for that, that next year if we get the things that we've all discussed have been wrong, right? Do you know what I mean? All those things that have went wrong and let's be honest, there are plans in place to do that. Obviously the managerial thing we'll get to but we've got a new CEO in Lowell's doing the hokey cokey's got one foot in, one foot out, I think the new, I don't know, I don't know whether he's coming or going, but um, we've got to be taking hope from the fact that it might not be as big a, big a gap as what we thought, albeit in the leagues the points gap is monumental and it looks really bad. I'm still seeing other sides from the other side of the city that suggest to me if we can get our house together and in order at the earliest possible date and we can get a recruitment drive that's fitting of Celtic for the first time in I don't know how long it's been since we've done a recruitment drive that actually seems to be on a timescale that suits the, the Champions League qualifiers. Let's not forget, we've got an opportunity this season to try and get the the foundations in place for next season, right? Early bells. But we've got a chance to actually make that £35 million bounty as well. We've got a chance to do that this season, not just about finishing first next year. You know, if we can get that sort of money and then you've still got, what, a month left of your window, let's start trying to be, you know, proactive about these things instead of waiting till we go to the Champions League and deciding the manager's only got a fiver to spend. It's just, we can't afford to do that this this this, uh, this campaign. I just think that if there is going to be a change for the top um, going down, then I think that we might have a better chance than what, the, you know, the league table suggests in uh, turning this round. I think um, to use a horse race, a horse racing metaphor. Eh? If, if if we were a horse, we've been full of ketamine all season. Eh? <laughs> we, we, we haven't actually moved anywhere. Uh, I'm going to bring in two comments here. Eh? Uh, Francie WU, we have to get over losing our league title now and look forward to the challenge of winning it back. I agree yep. with that. I think I think we've got to move on now, and I, I think the. Um, Today's a good day to actually eventually do, do move on. And who was the other one? That's just disappeared. The dude, Abid, the gap is huge, man. <laughs> what nonsense we beat them in ages. And what might happen, we might not beat them on Sunday. But then we've got, we've got to move on. We've got to say change is coming. When it's going to come, and we've got to have faith in that change. Mm-hmm. It, might, it, might, it might not work out. And we might not beat them on Sunday. We might not beat them against this season. They might go through the league season unbeaten. But we're football fans. It's a hope that keeps us coming back, left, right and centre. What do you think, Tony? I just want to know what bus Russell's on. Because he's been on many a bus this season. Mm-hmm. He's been on more buses than the clown and the wolfman and wrestling natives. <laughs> he's been on the Green bus, the Mourinho bus, the Howe bus. He was on the... What, Alonso bus yesterday, wasn't uh, well, he? Well, uh, he but, 
turned up one one of these bulletins like a bouncer. <laughs> Aye, a bouncer for the early learning centre. Are we on the how bus here, Russell? Is that are you? Are you kind of? No, no, no. I mean, like as I've said, I, I was on the how bus. Very early on, very early on. My point, my point is, I just worry that if it's not going to be him, that nobody's willing to go on the other bus and then we start off on a, on a bad foot, whereas I'm opening the doors to all the buses and saying, look, if we don't get Eddie Howe, you are all still welcome to join the bus, but I'm just saying I got in there first, that's all, and I've got the keys and the engine for numerous buses, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that because if we put all our eggs in one basket with Howe, I believe that we are setting the next manager, if it wasn't to be him, off on a negative footing because we're all going, oh, let's know how it was the second best option. So I'll do my best to talk up all the potential buses that and, can be, and, uh, can be and driven. And City Lincoln, smart thinking. No, I do um, I agree with you, Kev. We do have to move on and get over it. And, and we haven't, but it's part of the healing process to kind of pour over things that maybe cause you grief and this season's caused the supporters grief and a lot of it but I think as you say it's that optimism that wave of optimism that we hope's coming and yep. we were speaking off here myself and Russell before you came on and I said I keep saying it but surely there's days when there have been a great boost to everybody today's another one of those days that would have been a great boost to announce the manager yep. if they have them in place or if yep. they have and sit you and tell people what's happening Friday before they go to Ibrox on Sunday, another good day to do it I don't know what the hold up is and that's what worries you about the how thing, but our intelligence believes is that how is going to be this, the new manager of Celtic, that's what we're leading to believe, and also I've got a tenor at 16s <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what I as you tell me on Saturday night, as you tell me on Saturday night, Tony, with eight minutes to go in the Hibs game, believe in the cosmos. Yeah, believe right. in the cosmos, it's going to happen. That was amazing. You know, so, uh, yeah, if it's how, then that, I mean, you, you speak to any Celtic supporter who talks about how, and most of them are, you know, they, they want that to happen now, and that's part of the healing process and that will move us on and take us to where we're going to go and as Russell says, maybe maybe everything might fall into place again next season, it might not be as bad as what people think you know. but these building blocks have to be there before you can start anything a new manager of repute has to come in and start this process yep. I mean, it could be this season could be worse than last season we don't know, but we're going into, we're going into next season with a, with a faith that that it's going to be better, eh? That's what it is. Bernadette in the comments, Russell, she says, my dad was a bus driver and hasn't been on as many as Russell. That is a fair comment, eh? And I think the only one he's got a return ticket for is a Fran Alonso bus. Oh, that, that's, man. A, that's the only one that he's got a return ticket I, I tell for, you eh? what, whoever it is that gets the job, they could take a lot from Fran Alonso's sort of demeanour on a touchline. I think that's refreshing to see. And something that we've actually discussed this in the pod quite a few times, the um, the sort of, the, the way that the body language, that's what it's like for, body language of the coaching team, whether it was Neil Lennon with his feet up at one point, whether it was John Kennedy completely nonplussed when things were going terribly and we didn't really feel he was giving much feedback to, to Lennon or they weren't really you know in much dialogue and it's just a grim face. The sort of nonplussed look, I think that's, sometimes it's really refreshing just to see a manager embracing with his, his coaching staff when players come off as a, you know he's subbing one off so just hug them you know pick them up squeeze them and I think you know it showed the one thing I thought about the women's team yesterday was they all pull in the same direction and he is definitely at the forefront of that um, and I think that you know whoever the next manager is I would like to see a return as some sort of a Martin O'Neill-esque sort of you know fire them in headlocks when they come off and all that and you know it just looks like you, you you can't hear what you're saying, but you get the vibe of you're the best player in the world is almost what he's telling every one of them. You know, it's just a it's a really positive sort of um, image to portray. And it's no surprise to me that they were behind at half time and went on to win that game with someone that motivated at the side, showing so much passion. And obviously, I'm sure he's got a lot of coaching um, talent as well. I don't know that much about him, but I just thought it was refreshing to see. 
Is the one he, thing I took from the women's game, Russell, was that either your mum or Ray Charles dressed you. <laughs> <laughs> I've got one of those jackets. I couldn't believe he was wearing it. I was like, well, fair enough. I'm going to get mine out. <laughs> Uh, but for for those who don't know what they're talking about, check out the coverage for uh, coverage of the women's game yesterday, <laughs> and, and you'll see you'll see Russell doing his best, Fran Alonso, who actually has a very decent CV as a coach. Yeah, uh, uh, you, you'll see Russell doing his Fran Alonso impression. So we're into this week, and we're now I can't remember. It feels like we're now months since Neil Lennon left Celtic Football Club. Um, I'm feeling a bit like. Jimmy at the end of one of my favourite films, Quadrophenia. Um, <laughs> he's drove his he's, he's drove his scooter off the cliff and he's walking and he's walking back up for Beachy Head. The man the man who he thought was the coolest guy in the world has left and he's just a bellboy in a hotel. That's for me, that's Brendan Rogers. He left and went to Leicester. He just shows he's a mercenary. Uh, your, your girlfriend has left with a guy who's not as good looking as you and has got a worse scooter. And you didn't care and everything that you've loved for, uh, everything that you've loved for, and everything that you, you chase on a week, well, the, everything you thought was real was now disappeared. Yep. So we're, we're walking up for Beachy Head back onto the road back to London, eh? And we didn't care where we're going to go. And this is where I feel like Celtic are at the moment. We, we seem, because of the lack of news, we're completely lost. We don't mm-hmm. know what the next turn's going to be. And truthfully, I'm getting a bit bored with it. I'm getting a bit bored with... I've now got to the opinion gone, just announce something. Just do something to actually move us on. And that's a dangerous that's a dangerous headspace to be in, Tony. I said last week that the worst thing about the Rangers' defeat last week was apathy was creeping in. That, that's a dangerous place. Yep. When apathy creeps in, yep. all sorts can happen, right? So um, I did say as well that maybe we have to give cut the board and Dominic Mackay and members some slack that they're actually doing the right thing. And I'm like you, I'm trusting them to get this right. I'm trusting them that they've done their homework and that Eddie Howe is now pulling strings and that these bids that you're seeing for players are coming via Eddie Howe and yeah. others working in the background, right? I am trusting them and I don't know that they've done anything to earn that trust, but my goodness, see if they're not doing that and whoever's, I don't know who would be making these decisions then, then, you know, you say, how, when are they going to start to say, right, this is the way forward, X, Y, Z, or one, two, three, you know, because fans are, you know, they keep, people keep saying, oh, the season book renewals are coming out in X amount of weeks or whatever, they, they need to mm-hmm. do something. I mean, the board are fully aware of that. So as you say, they have to give the fans hope, have to give them something to cling to moving forward. And that, mm-hmm. that every week we wake up or every day we wake up, we think it's the day of reckoning, it's the day of reckoning. And then there's moments. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. You know that you think this should be a good time to do it. This should be a good time to do it. Yep. Two and three of them have already passed. So you do say to yourself, Kevin, where are we? Where mm-hmm. are we on this beachy head road? Exactly where are we? I, I know, and, and it's very, it's no worrying. I see folk get, people getting themselves completely worried when they read, oh, Howe's no coming, Bournemouth are now in the playoffs, his backroom staff here and that. If Howe's going to happen, it's going to happen. There's nothing we can do to change that. And if it doesn't happen, we need to move on again yeah. and, and support the guy whoever's there. Stone Cross comes in, Russell. I'll, I'll give this question to you. Right. What What's more important, four or five quality signings or a big name manager? Big name manager. Big name manager because that then you'll get four or five good signings anyway. Right. Yeah. So, so that's that's the way it works. And I, I don't want to exhaust points and all that, but there's 
four or five players that could leave that club right now and you combine their wages, stick that onto whatever it was you were paying Neil Lennon before and go, let's just get a manager that's worth, if, if you know, if they were willing to come. I mean, we talk about money all the time. Celtic's frittered away millions of pounds. You know, you only need to look at, what was Brendan Rodgers getting paid roughly? Three million quid a year, something like that? Does it as much as that? We don't know, two and a half, three million pounds a year? Who knew? You know, uh, Brendan Rodgers. Aye, Rod, Roger, I, f- I think it was just over two. Just over two million pounds a year. Uh, uh, he's a buy. I think it was, Russell. No. 2.2. So you look at, you You know, how many 2.2 millions can we count up? You know what I mean? That have been squandered. And if you want to even put it in a wage bracket sort of thing, I can think, you know, the likes of, in fact, I'm not going to name anyone because it's just unfair, but if you could think of four or five off the top of your head, that if they went to the exit door on the first day, you know, after the season finishes, you wouldn't miss them. And I would be saying, you know, you want a tighter squad with an elite manager in there. The elite, you know, whatever the wage structure is at Celtic right now, I would break it to get the best manager. If that is Eddie Howe that is available, then do it. Now, if that means that yesterday we were talking on the show about potentially Eddie Howe's going to maybe want a bigger management team with him than what perhaps you would normally have. I think it was something like 17 he had at Bournemouth and you might be looking at maybe 12, 13 with us. We need to have that aside for the management structure. It's so important. It's the most important aspect of our club going forward. It's going to be that manage, manager and management team below for me by a mile. I've said on previous occasions the most important person in the club is a manager and he should be your highest yep. highest paid person in the yes. football department. I'm going to bring in a comment from Monty. Tony being an, a board apologist today, trust this board. Did you listen to what I said? I said you have to trust the board and that they're doing the right things. I never said they were doing the right things. I said I was hoping they were doing the right yeah, things. Yeah, you actually um, said you didn't. You actually said... Please you, you actually said it's not that they've given me any reason to as well. Come <laughs> <laughs> on, Monty, mate, calm down. I was just saying I'm hoping they're doing their due diligence and Eddie House pulling some sort of stuff. That's what I'm Monty. But that's the one. Come on, Monty. Calm down, mate. Calm down, calm down, calm down. But that's the worst thing about it. We, we've, yeah. we, we've got nothing but to put our faith in other people. To actually, and when we're looking at the last 18 months, we're going. Paul asked me at halftime in Aberdeen game, do you trust Peter Wall and the Celtic board to make the right decision? And I went, no. I don't. <laughs> and that's I've got, but 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 we've got no other option but to go. We hope that they make the right decision, which is it's it's like being handcuffed, ain't it? It's like handcuffed to, to be a club. What said, do you? F- I said a couple of weeks ago that the two most important protagonists in all of this have said nothing about how, and that's how himself, which makes me believe there has to be something in this, because neither nor party have come out and made any statement on it, right? Exactly, mate. Oh, hearsay, speculation, but snippets here, snippets there, right? But the two main people in all of this have said nothing. I'm tr- and I said I was trying to connect dots, you know, uh, and, and I'm, I'm connecting the dots, and from my experience, coming from the background that I do then, I'm thinking, mm-hmm. right, there's listening meets the eye. So I think Celtic have gone down a long road with how there's certain guarantees in place and maybe there's people that can't come at this particular juncture. Maybe yep. there's also the, you know, people are speculating about that how's being paid by Bowman until the end of the summer. Fair enough, you know, so, but I'm just kind of a picture in my head of what I think's materialising here. Mm-hmm. I just think that it would be too late for Celtic to use a Russell analogy to jump on another bus. Mm-hmm. So I think this thing has come too far down the line for it not to happen. And if it doesn't happen, then again everybody will pile on the board anyway, and then it becomes a late scramble to get somebody in. And then that's when you start worrying about Kevin's, Jack Ross, and things like that, right? So Jack Ross would be the manager. I'm just talking about that's that's for level. If they have to scramble about and do a late deal, yeah. So I'm saying you have to trust them in the sense that maybe they are doing it right this time. 
they've not given you any reason to make you believe and trust them, but it's all we've got at the minute, isn't it? As Kevin said. So. See, see, like you're saying though, Tony, right? And it's it's right. I think there's definitely. I mean, the fact that they've not spoken. You you said that to me one day, and I, I jumped on that. I thought that that makes complete sense. Um, if neither of them have spoken, there must be something in this. But you've got to then. It is. You can't help but as a football fan, firstly, it's the most impatient business in the world, right? Football, right? So, and that is our right as fans. We like to be impatient. Yeah. Um, that's just the way it is. Um, but you've got to go. This has been nine weeks now, I think, something like that, since since Neil Lennon left. If they are that set, both of them, that, you know, this has got arms and legs, how's it not been done yet? Like, well, that's the worry. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to go down rabbit holes and make up speculation and stuff, but we've also got a right to go, what's the hold-up here? And does this reflect well on... How does this put him? I know he's going to be the popular, the, the most popular choice. But is there going to be the odd fan who's maybe a bit cynical? And go, oh, you only came here after you scoped out your options. That's you. You delayed the deal for ages. It might be rubbish, but that sort of speculation is naturally going to fester when something takes this long in the pipeline. Do you know? What I mean, that was just an example, by the way. I'm not saying Eddie Howe is scoping out other options. I'm just saying. Football fans doing the pub soon, hopefully as well, will speculate that oh, it was Eddie Howe that held up the deal, or it was Peter Lawwell holding up the deal again. And before you know it, if they have been so set that this was a goer, then whatever those finer details are, let's get them ironed out and let's get the big man in before it becomes an excuse ready-made for not making the Champions League. And we've already and they've already got it, got the excuses all lined up. Do you know what I mean? Fully endorse that. Fully Thank endorse you. That. I feel great now. Thanks, Tony, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter who comes in, you're going to have to get behind them. <laughs> Absolutely. That's who it is and when it is. Yep. That's <laughs> it. Again, I kind of get worried about it. What's going to happen is going to happen. And. What, what Russell was actually saying there, it's a, it's a whole thing for what we slip, not what we put Neil Lennon down for. If Howe's sitting there going, I want certain guarantees that my own staff are coming in, then we're, what did we say about Neil Lennon? That he took the job right away with certain conditions attached yes. to it. That Ronnie Dyler took the job with certain conditions out to it. And look, I'm sitting here, I've never been involved in a deal to bring five, six guys to a football club who no. are who, who are going to be who are going to get paid maybe between one and two million pounds a year. I've never been in that position. So we, we for me, I'm s I am can not speculate on a position where I've never sat in a room and tried to do that deal. Yeah. I mean yeah. these things take time, right? And there might be contractual stuff to be ironed out as well. So it takes as long as it takes. But yeah. I just go back to it, and I say that right at the start, you want an appointment, not a disappointment, right? And for <laughs> it not to be somebody like Eddie Howe now, it would be a major, major disappointment. I agree. I right? agree. So, and that's why I think that, and I'm, that, that, that at the time that it's taken is leading me to believe that it's going to be a person or a manager of that calibre. See, just, see, you can't see. wipe the rug from under the floor and give you. No. A Jack Ross then, no. or, a, or a Steve Clark, having supposedly pursued this man all summer. Mm-hmm. Well, this you is know? it, and I know you're saying it takes time and that, but see, to be honest with you, you know, if at the end of the day you want to get in a good vibe, why would you put yourself, you know, above the parapet like that? So conversations have taken place, and whoever it is has said, yeah, I'll come on the proviso, this, this, and this happened. And if you want that manager that much, as you said, Kevin, you give him what he wants. Because if you're trusting your man that this is the man to bring the glory days back, take you into a new era, then you have to say, right, we trust you. Yes. What we're going to do, that's that's our pledge to you. Now your pledge to us is to come and do what you say you're going to do. See, as well, though, right, and I, I appreciate what you're saying, it takes time, right, but... Flip side is, I would argue that managers change all the time and get appointed all the time. I've never known them taking this long, to be fair. Like, like I see managers getting appointed at clubs right across Scotland, England, a lot. 
I'm like nine weeks. That's that is a long it is a long time between manager and new manager. And I suppose the fact they put Kennedy in there, they thought we'd just work as a buffer. But at the end of the day, we got knocked out the Scottish Cup. Um, failed to beat Rangers in, 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 the, in the league as well and have actually fallen further points behind I think we were when, when Neil Lennon was there as albeit we're unbeaten so that's then going to cause more impatience this impatience thing again and for me nine weeks I think that's, I think that's plenty of time to be honest to you but, but what, what happens you look at let's go to Aberdeen and they appointed Stephen Glass yep. now Stephen Glass uh, right, they played well against us last Wednesday night, but we're a team that's been phoning it in since October. Yesterday, they basically got humped by Dundee United. So there's mm-hmm. Aberdeen fans already judging Stephen Glass, going, oh, we got beat by a poor Dundee United side. And that's always going to be in the people's back of minds. What happens if Eddie Howe and the Celtic board went, we do not want the new man associated with this season whatsoever. We sure. Don't, we, we don't want him associated with this season. Could you not summer. announce him though? You could, but what happens if there's contractual obligations, which mean you can't announce him? Maybe. And, well, and that'd be that's another one. That's another. That's another one of these reasons we're talking about. We don't that's know. These are the things that might be happening in the background. Right? Mm-hmm. You're hoping that that's Celtic being switched on. Yes. Like a big club, as I keep saying, ask questions and act like a big club. So hopefully they've started to do that. You know. So. Uh, you have to, as you say, give them the benefit of the doubt on this one, but time will tell. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, I, I, I don't, I don't trust them, but I've got to have faith in them, which is a completely mind, <laughs> mind bending situation. <laughs> that would be that. <laughs> but hey, well, we'll see. Because it will tell when the, the season ticket renews. If it's not the manager that people want, then. As I said to you before, the top tier will shut again. Tyler esque. Because the fans will just say, no, you're not getting more money. He promises value for money this season, which never materialised. You know, one team in Glasgow tooled up for the 10, the other sadly didn't. So, you know, the, the, the fans will, the, the, the will, this will be the last straw for a lot of people if it's not the manager of the recruit that they want or someone that they believe can take the club forward and bring back. Uh, the success and the title at the first time of asking. Yep. That's absolutely right. Russell alluded to at the start, 35 million bounty. There is no time for somebody to come in and have a bedding in period. Somebody has to come in with a putin confidence in their own ability that they can beat one team because that's basically what you're asking the man to do. Beat Rangers, a rejuvenated, revitalised Rangers, and you should be able to take care of the rest. That's what I agree. That's not arrogance, that's just a position of more or less fact because that's what's been happening and you have more money than these clubs so you should be able to take care of them. No, I agree with you. Producer Paul comes in with a comment by Monty. Well done to the Celtic ladies yesterday. Haven't haven't had a look at Monty's comments over the last week and a half about the Celtic ladies. I think I can actually... Safely say he's got his tongue firmly in his cheek. Actually, when he's typed that, <laughs> I'm going. I'm going. I'm going to bring up another comment here. Well, hopefully, Paul has been merry plowboy. Stop kidding yourselves. Peter Wall was making a, a donkeys of a point in a manager. Nothing surprising there, considering how he's done his business in the last couple of years. That could be true. That's the think? point. That's what I mean. Yeah, and it's not because true. it's not about being negative either, because you know I'm not a negative person. But it's like I think these are the sort of speculations you're going to get right now. The longer it does go on, unfortunately, and like I say, we can be positive and say it might be a contractual thing. He already knows they'll be announced, but we can't announce it till X date. Fair dues, but. If that is the case, it's frustrating because they can't give us clarity on it. But in the meantime, that is going to let a million different uh, angles of the story, you know, grow arms and legs between fans because that's fans what they do. You know, they they discuss theories, they discuss reasons why it's not happening. He said, she said, you know, it's it's it can all end up like that. And that's the that's the that's the the downside to it being this long a gap between between managers. I'll give you another scenario: Celtic win next Sunday and take away Rangers' unbeaten season, then surely another optimal time would be to announce the manager on the Monday. Yep. And keep that upward trajectory right. Now, that might happen. As Kevin said, they might not beat Rangers. 
and nothing to suggest that they will from the form against them this season. But see if you did that, see if you're a PR machine, you're a big club and you're switched on that way, you would keep that feel good factor going, yes. or you would at least try. That's the way. I, that's the way my mind works, right? Nope. Now, if your mind works like that, your mind works like that, Kevin's mind works like that. How can they not see that? I know they have to go to Ibrox and beat Rangers first, but look at look at the the joy they'll bring to supporters if they shatter Rangers' unbeaten season, winning by winning at Ibrox next week, right? And I'll, I'll stress again that it's not going to be an easy feat because they've no they've not done it for two years, they've not beat Rangers for two years, so I'm not taking that as a given. But if they do, the feel good factor you have from that one alone, which takes away that invincible tag. Of, of Rangers being completing an undefeated, an undefeated domestic season, yep. getting into Monday, then surely somebody up there should be switched on enough to say, this is the optimum time. This is when everybody will clamber over themselves if they say, ladies and gentlemen, it's Eddie Howe, and you watch those season tickets fly out the door. Yep, I think that's fair. But, but, but Tony, we're dealing with a club whose PR man doesn't answer emails. Well... That's what I mean. So, <laughs> that's like, so then you're not acting like a big club, are you? That's no, a good point. Act like a big club. Be the club that we all think you are. You know, we're the, we're the biggest small club on the planet. Well, and, and unfortunately, I've seen behind the curtains, and we are the biggest small club on the planet. But, but surely, if you, if you, the three of us can see that, and probably most of the some listeners can hear it and see that as well, that if that happens, if that eventuality happens next Sunday, I mean, Monday's just, it's it's a manner from heaven day mm-hmm. to announce your new manager. Or else they're going to wait until what Rangers get given the league title day, the title celebrations day, and maybe try and, and do it that day. I don't know. Is that the other thing that's going through their mind? That it's buys them more time? They'll, they'll do it when they want our money. That's yeah, me. Yeah. That, 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 that's, that's me just being cynical there. <laughs> Mon- money comes back in, but I may as well keep on going. I've been cynical all season when it comes to them and getting money off us, so they won't come in when they want our money and tell us who the new manager is. Uh, Monty comes in and says, Kev, I'm being 100% serious about the, the girls, uh, uh, about the Celtic women's team. Uh, Stephen Pearson comes in with a, a comment, and this goes back to Tony's comment regarding the top tier. Season tickets will sell out regardless of what will happen. Now, last week, for me, being a a match-going fan, (laughs) uh, I had the worrying news when uh, Neil Doncaster, Wombleheed or whatever we need to call him, came in and actually, actually says that They'd signed a deal with Sky, so season ticket holders are going to see every game again next season. That's right. I was worried when I heard that right away because right away, my wee, my wee hamster in my brain's going like that. That means that they know there's not going to be fans in the stadium next season or there's not going to be full houses in a stadium next season because they're already planning for showing the games, your mm-hmm. virtual, virtual season ticket. Yesterday, or it was either Saturday or something like that, Jason Leach, Jason Leach the, the doctor for, no, the dentist for was on off the ball saying that you, you could get some fans in over the next couple of months. The League Cup final in England yesterday had 8,000. And what a difference it was to have 8,000 fans in that stadium yesterday Definitely. at Wembley. Uh, what a difference. Just to hear the Spurs fans sing Dan Levy, Levy, get it. <laughs> France was amazing just to have that natural emotion that football fans give and even the Man City fans singing Blue Moon even though there was only 2,000 of them in. it was yep. fantastic just to see fans back in the stadium yep. I'm worried about that and that will affect season tickets if, if there's not a roadmap out there's going to be people saying mm-hmm. I'm not paying 500 quid to maybe watch 10, 15 games or whatever it is behind on a screen again. What do you think of that, Russell? No, I think that's true. I think I think you've hit the nail on the head with the roadmap sort of thing. I think we do need some sort of clarity as to what the... And I appreciate it can change, but it would at least give you some sort of hope and some sort of belief into what it is you're going to be purchasing exactly. Do you know what I mean? And what sort of realistic sort of timeline you're going to be operating at. Because right now... With no clarity there at all, have fans of all clubs in the SPFL, have they been satisfied with the bang they've got for their buck so far? 
you know, that they spent last summer. I, I doubt it. And I actually happen to think a lot of fans, when they bought season tickets, at all clubs, by the way, last, uh, when the renewals came out, did it on the, the premise that we thought there might be supporters in by October, November. Bear in mind, you know, there's the, we came out of a lockdown, remember, you know, towards the end of the summer as well. So there was a renewed hope that this wasn't actually going to be a full season thing. Now fans are going to look at it if there's no fans at the start of the season or not even an indication as to what they're looking to do. Fans are now going to automatically look at it as, oh, it'll be the full season again. Do you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. they're going to have a negative negative mindset on it for as opposed to last season it was probably quite optimistic oh we'll be back in before the end of the year so we'll put our faith in it so yes I think they do need to I think you, the, you know the government and the, and the SPFL and SFA whoever it is they do need to sort of roadmap some sort of you know plan of action here and, and go look subject to change <laughs> but we are hoping to get 10% in the ground for the opening day of this campaign. The opening day of the campaign is still three months away in the league, you know? Um, and I think signs like that would be very encouraging for supporters to get back into buying tickets. But again, I don't know the ins and outs of all that side of things. But I just feel that last year, they bought it on the premise it wouldn't be as like a full season thing. And I don't think, you know, we've spoken about value for money and all that, you know? I don't think there's been that much, uh, you know, that much uh, added value. Um I would want them to try and get supporters in for the Scottish Cup final. You know, nice sign, wouldn't it? I'd like them to try that, you know, to see if it's doable. And then that'll be the first sign in your roadmap that you can get yes. X amount of crowd back into a major event or a, or a football match. I've been quite lucky. I'm the Hamilton Aki's TV commentator, as you know, and I've been going to games. But I tell you what, it's soulless, it's lifeless. It's, well... People would argue that it's like that. Well, it's not, you, know I mean? you stole my job, Tony. Yeah, you stole my job. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's football, Jim, but not as we know it, right? It's just, it's, you know, you're, it's empty. It's, it's too silent. Sounds happening with the mic. Nothing there. You know, it's not... It's no ideal. So my, you know, Aki's have got three games to save their, you know, Premiership skins and there's going to be nobody there to see them. Try that, you know. That, inspire them, motivate them. It's, yeah. uh, you know, that's a big thing. You could lose, you could lose their, uh, you know, their Premiership status, you know, when nobody there to cheer them on as they try and, mm-hmm. you know, try and save their skins, you know, but that's just an example. But, you know, I'm t- but you saw the, as you see, the League Cup final yesterday, it was great to see fans again, wasn't it? I mean, was, mm-hmm. Regardless of how little there were inside that massive arena, it was still something. You could hear them. You know, mm-hmm. it was tangible. So I would love them to do the, the, the semi-finals and the final, if they can, to experiment and see where we can go with, with, with supporters at, at the Scottish Cup. And hopefully, because as you say, people are going to be too negative about that and say, we're not getting in then for the next season. But it can't be like that. There has to be some kind of watershed moment where they say, right, we're going to let, we're going to let you say, 10, 20, 30% of fans back into yeah. the crowd. They have to. I agree with you massively on that. I, I really do. And I think fans need hope. They need encouragement. You know, a season ticket is not a cheap thing. It's no, not, no. you know, it's no cheap. Um, especially when you look at, you know, a lot of families perhaps haven't made as much money in the last 12 months as what they would have before via furloughs or, or, or redundancies. You know, we've seen that left, right and centre. So when you're making that, you know, commitment and spending that sort of money, I think you do need to do it with a basis of knowing what it is you're paying for. Um, and like I say, I just think that, you know, it's it's got to be, in the, it's got to be, pitched and positioned in a optimistic sort of manner. Um, because, you know, if clubs were to, you know, they're, you're obviously they're losing out the match day revenue they're now, right? Because nobody's obviously in the in the grounds buying all the usual things that you do there. But you're also then looking at, if they were to still be missing that and selling less season tickets, you're going to be back at a situation where you're needing philanthropists and all that coming in to help Scottish <laughs> football all over again this summer. And, you know, we don't want that, do we? Um, Ideally. We don't, we don't want that. There's been a few comments, and I think there's going to be 12,000 at Hamden for the Euros. I think that was their plan. And 
I, I think the hope we've got to actually realise that there is a reason that these are called test events. Yeah. So everybody goes in, it's for the, the track and trace yeah. to actually see what happens after it. So we're going to need these events in Scotland. Now, UEFA have got control of Hamden Park for the Scottish Cup final. Now there's not a Glasgow team left. Why don't they use Celtic Park for the semi-finals and let 500,000 fans in? Use it so we can actually get the data, build up the data, so we can actually see where we can go for, for next season. Um, I think that's what we really need to use. I mean, that is worrying. That is worrying for... I mean, there's, a lot, there's a lot of households have got three or four season tickets. I've got two season tickets here. And am I going, well, if I'm going to need to watch it virtually again, am I going to buy two season tickets again? Celtic need to do the morally, ethically right thing, behave like a big club and be transparent with what they want to sell us for next season. Yeah, I agree. What do you think, Tony? Spot on, Kevin, I, of course. I mean, that, but that, that, that's how a big club would act, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You come out and, and you see, you know, there, roadmap, roadmap, your journey with your fans. We'd appreciate that a lot more, you know, and I and I'm very interested just to what Dominic Mackay's first, you know, uh, address will be. His first Gettysburg address will be, <laughs> you know, because uh, it's bordering on biblical now because everybody's like, right, <laughs> <laughs> he's going to have to say something, you know, nothing short of, you know, Moses with a tablet. Why not? You know, everyone's like Dominic, Dominic, right? And how 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 disappointed are we going to be when it's a scripted Jerry McCulloch interview? (laughs) (laughs) How disappointed are we going to be when? And that's not that's not a go at Jerry McCulloch. That's just a go at uh, how these how how the club media sometimes works. Uh, And the more it goes on, I think the more Dominic's like. For my next impression, come <laughs> 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 away, you know. So, yeah, you know, you build this up and build it up. You know, Dominic Mackay should really be thinking, okay, I'm going to have to address them in some shape Face or music sooner or later, you know, and and tell them what's happening. But you know, the the, the more the more he doesn't speak, the more it does get built up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of, you know, he had he got to tell us something monumental, you know. And I, I'd rather for Dominic Mackay see the. He comes out, you know, and just, you know, just ease himself in and say, right, here's where we are. This is where we're going. As Kevin says, we're taking this step, that step, and that step to get you all back in. And people would be, people would be fine with that, wouldn't they? The fans would be like, right, absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. just, just as you say, to use your expression, calm everybody down. He's <laughs> wandering on hysteria at the minute, isn't there? No, the manager, he's no smoke. He's wearing a blue tie. He's driving a blue car. Oh, it's like, calm down. Tranquilo. Tranquilo. <laughs> but I'm going to put this one to Russell uh, Brian Conway comes in on the comments for me the first fans allowed in Celtic Park should be Celtic fans play the semi-finals elsewhere Russell what's your thought on that? <laughs> well I kind of I would be more on your side I think with that one Kev I think it's important because it's for the benefit of Celtic fans in the long run if we're getting more events being tested for fans admittance I wouldn't particularly be remotely Frustrated if it was a Scottish Cup final that was the first time Celtic Park's gates opened and, you know, Celtic obviously can't be participating in it. Um, it wouldn't, it wouldn't phase me in the slightest. I don't, I, I think, I think to be honest, we need to be pulling in the same direction here, um, with regards to getting the, you know, getting the stadium open to a certain amount of fans. And that includes Celtic, you know, pulling their weight as well. Whether that means it's not Celtic fans involved or not, it's for the greater good and it will, naturally have a knock-on effect of benefiting Celtic fans anyway. Um, you know, the more test events we can get done that pass whatever, you know, whatever parameters are that it gets judged on, you know, that's what we want to see. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think the time for pettiness is, is now, to be honest with you. And, I, I, you know, I just think that's a trivial matter that really shouldn't come into our thinking when, you know, the most important thing is to get fans back in and we need to play our part in doing so. Every football fan suffered, not just Celtic fans, every football fan. You, if you can get any fans into Celtic Park, as Russell says, doesn't matter who they support, it's a step in the right direction. Yep. We've all mm-hmm. suffered. This is a time when you say the family, the, the football family and community family, you know, 
It's not about any particular club's fans. Every one of them has suffered. We've just all suffered without a diet of football. You know, so if you can get any fans enjoying a moment and having a diet of football, and as you say, it will reflect better on yourself and also it will move things forward and get exactly. your back as quick as possible, then I'm all for that. Because it's, it's gone beyond Celtic fans or Rangers fans or who's the most important fans or the, who's got the most fans. You're just talking about the actual act of fans being in a football stadium and enjoying what they love best, a game of football. So whether it be Aki's fans, Motherwell fans, St. Johnson fans, Kilmarnock, St. Martin, I don't care. If they're going into Celtic Park for a semi-final, good luck to them. Good on them. I hope they get that chance. I'd love to see them get that chance. Me too. For for me, you need to see the bigger picture. Lads, that's been a quick hour. So... <laughs> I want everybody, if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe before, below, click the like button. Thanks for everybody in the comments for, for your uh, input today. I mean, I thought we might have been struggling for stuff to talk about because we Kev, never, never played at the weekend, eh? but we're, we're in an hour. Russell. Kev, this is the shortest show me and you have done in about three months, mate. Oh, <laughs> we're usually wait. on for about an hour and forty. <laughs> Wait till tomorrow night. Wait for Screamer Selica tomorrow night. Screamer Selica's back tomorrow night at half past yeah. six. And we're going to be looking at Celtic free and Armalan free uh, yes. under, under Ronnie Dyla. From Cadetti to Cadetti. Yes. Oh, well done. <laughs> uh, well done. You. I like that. I like that. I like that. Not uh, a jet. Not a jet. <laughs> no yet. No yet. Well, maybe next season a, a jet. No, we'll, we'll, no, we'll, get, we'll, we'll get into that. So thanks for everybody for tuning in and we'll see you all later. Hail, hail. Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Social Podcast Network. Sports 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 Social Podcast Network. Sports